All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold, and I am back, and I am here with my friend and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texans. Garnet Texan, I don't know why I miss it up. In four, four <laughs> years, I've never said Texans, but for some reason, I said Texans today. I guess you've got the Texans on your mind. I mean, it's yes. been a little while. You've been you've been away, so I mean, now you got to start thinking about them again. It's kind of like thinking about an ex. Yeah, just gonna slip up. Just gonna slip up a little bit. That's completely fair. Uh, John, how are you, brother? I'm doing good. I am so excited you're here. Like I said pre-show, I can go back to browsing Twitter during the entire show. I don't have to worry about it. No, I just got you to carry everything. I can go back to being lazy. <laughs> well. Yeah, you carried enough while I was gone, so that makes total <laughs> sense. Uh, no, filling in with all these other hosts and uh, and everything else that was happening. Uh, so, yeah, uh, go go scroll your Twitter timeline, <laughs> go do all that, uh, and I got the rest from here. You know, dude how how have you been? Now that's the question. How have you been? You know, man, I've been. Um, I've been great. I've been, I've been great. Life is, um, life is in a whole nother realm of, of greatness. It's, uh, it's really turned into something that I never in my wildest dreams would imagine my life would turn into if I was a kid and you asked me, um, I, you know, the, the time away was great in the sense of like, you know, they always say like, Oh, you know, enjoy time with your family, all those things. You know, I don't want to be like cliche, but man, I'm telling you when you step out, and you step outside, you kind of turn off the social media, and you really just focus on those things that truly matter, right? Those things that we take for granted because we see it every day. We hug them every day. We kiss them every day. We do things with them every day. But what you're, you're always so enamored with other things that are going on because those things in your life are so um, – they're a figment, right? Or not a figment. They're um, – they're staple. They're, they're in your life. They're, they're, they're not going away. And you kind of, you kind of take them for granted in the sense that you, you start to appreciate it more when there's, you know, no other distractions and things around. So, you know, life's really good. I, I've, I've really enjoyed the time away. Um, as long as break I've ever taken, you know, I've taken hiatuses before, but this, this one was really good. Really let me just hang out and be a dad and be a husband and not be a fan. I didn't watch any of the NBA playoffs. Um, I don't think I read one article about the Texans um, until recently. Uh, you know, I'd, ch- I'd hop on Twitter every once in a while and, you know, pick up here and there. You know, I'd hop in if I needed the cover, you know, because we just got to a point to where, you know, John was like, you know, fuck you. I, I need a break, which happened twice. Um and it was deserving, 100% deserving, as John shouldn't have to carry the, the show for, for six months and expect me to just kind of come back uh, to the seat. Um, but it, it, it was great. It was a very, very good break. Um, but now we're here. Training camp's here. We got Deshaun Watson saga, you know, chapter three. Um, you know, I went to training camp yesterday. You know, we're, we're at a point where, it, it, and 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 we're back to the old days. We're back to the old days. We're back to instead of trying to figure out how do we grow, how do we, you know, what who do we add? What can we do to really spark the interest and and market the the pod? Nah, let's let's forget all that. Let's just 
come back to what we're good at and what we do and what gave us the name and the following that we had. <laughs> and and there's a little Patty Pat. Um, so what we're good at and what we are going to be is we are the most entertaining Texans podcast in the country. There's no doubt about it. That's all there is to it. That's what we are. That's what we've been. And, uh, you know, I think last year, we really wanted to grow, grow, grow. And that's something that's hard for me. I don't like to be complacent. I don't like to not try to grow. And it's the competitive nature of who I am. I like to be better. I want more. I want more views. I want more uh, interviews. I want more, you know, accolades. I want more pats on the back. I want people to know I'm here. I'm, this is what I do. I grow. I make things better. Um, and I think last year I was in limbo of like, we're going to be the media. We're going to get press credentials. And we're going to do all these things. And not that I had like a real sample size of it, but I've grown to have relationships with certain people in the media and I don't want anything to fucking do with that. I don't want anything to do with that. I don't, I don't want to do this for clicks. I don't want to write a hot, I don't want to ask where Deshaun is 20 times in a fucking press conference. I actually want to come on and tell you guys what I saw at training camp outside of Deshaun Watson. I want to tell you guys what I'm excited about when it comes to training camp. What me and John think is, is best for this team. And the media doesn't do that. The media is here to garner clicks and views. And that's why they do what they want. Um, and why they ask the questions that they want is because they get paid per click per view. So the more, the more hot take, the more desperate they sound when they ask a question, that tends to lead to more revenue for them. They're, I don't know if they're commission. I'm sure there's salary plus commission. Who knows? Um, but we're not that, John. We're not. Yeah. We're not. We're not. We're, I mean, we're never going to be. The small taste that I got where you had different people coming out of the woodwork, almost trying to float stories. Like you, re- you began to realize that it's all a game. Like all of that is all a game. Like a lot of these a lot of these headlines, a lot of these inside sources, a lot of these things that are leaked, it's all a game. You're getting yeah. used by somebody that has, they're not trying to help you. They're not going to tell you anything because they're trying to help you. What they're trying to do is help ever whomever's camp they're in. Yeah. And I got just a little bit of a taste of that last year. At first it was kind of cool. And then I was like, nah, I, I, this isn't for me. I don't like being used. I want to come online. I want to, I want to talk. I want to have fun with everybody. I don't, I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and not only that, I think another thing that I realized, you know, during that, that kind of wrestle mentally was like, I know this team fucking better than everybody that is a part of the media outside of Rivers and McCown. I think Rivers is probably the only person that I will bow down to and say he knows the team better. He knows the schemes better. He knows the players. He knows how the NFL works more than I do. Rivers is the only one that I would say has a true grasp of what those things are. Um, outside of that, the Vanessa Richardsons, the Landry Lockers, you know, everybody else at 790, the Adam Clanton, you know, all the trash ass reporters that cover this team, uh, Sarah Bashop, you know, all of them. All of them, except for for the ones that have been on the show, which you guys know who they are. The Sargents, the Brandons, you know, the Sean Pendergast, the Seth Paynes. Those guys, I, I have so much, Figgy, I have so much love for those guys. Sean, uh, um, God, I, I was, it's Sean Unfiltered. I always forget his Salisbury. Um, you know, guys like that, Charlie Palillo, Lance Zerline. Those are real ones, right? 
But at the end of the day, the rest of these people that you guys are clicking on and you're watching and, and, and you're reading their dumbass articles that literally have the same tagline in every single article. If you notice the name Deshaun Watson in an article, the likelihood of that article having any substance whatsoever is very slim. They only use the name because it's the hottest name you can use right now in all of sports. It's going to bring you clicks. It's going to get you in the top on the front page of Google where that's not who we are. So who we are is uh, technically we're fans, right? We're fans. I guess we're, we're our own. We're our own media where we don't report to anybody. We make the fucking rules. We say what the fuck we want to say. I deal with the repercussions of what I say and what people maybe disagree with. And I just keep it moving. And that's what we're here for. So we're not going to be newsbreakers. We're not going to be bloggers in the sense of, you know, all that stuff. We're here to break down training camp. We're here to break down the Texans. We're here to let you guys know our thoughts because that's really what we were originally. And that's what we want to go back to is the grassroots. So that's that. Yeah. Be a little free to say whatever we want again. Wasn't fun having to tell down shows at certain points last year that 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 was the worst that I mean, was the dude, absolute worst it got to a point to where security the the director of security uh, you know uh, for the houston texans uh had me you know had to talk to me had to call me like you know that's that's where it's like dude this is too much you know and then i'm trying to <laughs> i'm trying to get into deshaun's camp and mess with quincy and all these other things i have relationships with players and you know what? I, I appreciate them. I love them. I love being able to text and call them and talk to them about things and leaving it between me and them. You know, everybody gets on Sarge's ass because he'll he'll hint at things and he won't break the news. He won't break the news. He always waits till either Berman or somebody else comes in. But the reason why he doesn't, and I know this because I know Sarge and I know what he tells me. And then a week later, it's true. Sarge knows a lot, but he appreciates the relationships of those sources that he never wants to go back and, and and burn those. He'd rather have the relationship and just be good at what he does. Pat's going through that struggle right now. Pat's going through the same thing. You know, he knows so many things, but he can't be the guy that breaks it because he wants to continue that relationship. And uh, it, it's a tough battle. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's what we're here for. We're not going to be that battle. We're just the un- – we're unfiltered. We are Texans unfiltered. You get whatever the fuck we think. Whenever the fuck we want to give it to you. And you can either comment and tag us on Twitter, or you can leave reviews on iTunes, or you can hit the subscribe and like button, which is free, by the way. And you can do all these other things. But what you're not going to get is us trying to be something that we're not. And that's what happened last year. And that's why we're back to the to the roots. So I say that and, and by saying this. Pat and Jair will be starting a midweek show. For you guys. Now, Patty says it's this week. If I know Patty, that means that the show likely won't be this week. It'll likely be next week, as that's just how things go. Uh, but uh, that, that's just the way it is. Pat, Pat, Pat's always, he's like me. He's always busy. He overcommits, and then he ends up spreading himself so thin that he says, all right, next week. I got to get my shit together. Um, so... Look at look at Sarge with the props. My boy. My boy. My boy. Anyways, let's get into training camp. Uh, let's get into training camp. I went to training camp yesterday on a spur of the moment thing. Dude, how was that? It was great. It was awesome. It was great. It, it, there were seats. It wasn't as crowded as it, as it was in the past, right? Like in the past, they let in 10,000 people. You guys were all uh, you know, on, on the end, standing in a group, sweating your asses off, 
everybody's hot as hell. You're paying five. Well, we paid two dollars of water, but you only got the little baby Dasani's. Five dollars got you the normal Dasani. Um, so this was great because they had you in a covered seating. You were on only the sideline, um, and it was great. I could see everything. I took a picture. I could see Sarge from across my seat on the other side of the field where the media was. I took a picture, sent it to him. Uh, Sarge, by the way, Sarge, thank you so much for the for those dunks. I can't tell you how appreciative I am uh, for those, and I got some green ones for you, sir. Um, but uh, look at see, Patty's already admitting it. See, he knows. He know, <laughs> I know. I know Patty better than he knows himself. That's just the way it is. Uh, but training camp was great, man. It was. Uh, it was really cool. All, you know, all the seats were super close to the sideline. You could see the both sides of the field. They had fans going. They still had that same, you know, uh, feel of like the, you know, the the tents and swag and all that other stuff. Um, you know, so it was great. I brought um, Parker and and um, and his his little best friends um across the street and they've never been they're patriots fans i bought them both texans hats they call me uncle james so now they're texans fans uh so i've converted two little ones into future texans fans so um but that part of it was cool now everything where do we start john do we do we go to do we go let's do we just get the sean out of the way you know let's start easy how was the atmosphere like okay. how was do you do you think you have a feel for what 100% the organization was trying to do 100% 100% um he um David Coley and Nick Casario are building a, a great culture there is uh there's nothing else that can really be said the players feel like they can be themselves um multiple times during practice they would two or three of them would just break off and start dancing they were all interacting with each other. The vibe was exactly what you would want from from your team in the first year with the first year head coach. Um, the the players looked at ease. The players looked as if this is a competition and they're here to have fun and they're also here to earn a spot on the roster. And uh, that 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 that's the total vibe, right? Like. You know, Coley comes out, does his little thing, talks to the fans. They get into practice. The music's blasting. The players are playing. The players are dancing. The players are interacting. Then, not but 10 minutes later, here comes Nick Casario walking on the field, dressed as a scout. And um, he's involved. You know, he's throwing post routes, out routes, slants to the wide receivers, working with them. Um, he, he's there the entire time. He's got his eyes on everything. And you could just see that there's a different feel for this team. I don't know if David Coley is going to be the greatest coach. He's that he wouldn't have been my first choice. I'll be the first one to say that um, that that you know I, I think David Coley is going to be a great coach. I honestly don't know. But here's what David Coley is great at. He's great at motivating. He's great at building culture and building a vibe and being a player's coach. But he's also he, he's on that fine line of. Like what he said about Nico today, you know, they asked, you know, what about Nico? Nico's Nico's great. He's having a good camp, but he even knows that there's things he needs to be doing. He's not consistent. He called him out. He said what he needed to say, right? He gave him the compliment sandwich. Great player needs to work on really good at this. Boom. Everybody in management knows exactly how that goes. Right. Um, and, and that's how, that's how he's addressing the media. Um, and that's how he's addressing the players. You can just tell that they're free. They want to be there. 
every single player there outside of Deshaun Watson wants to be at camp. They want to play for this team. They hear the chatter. They know what last year was like. And they're ready to take that, take the challenge on. And you know what? They're in a division now that's pretty much wide open. So uh, who knows? So, I mean, me and you, we've both been there when Bill O'Brien ran it versus Cully. What would you say is the biggest difference? Like, what's the thing that really stood out to you in comparison to when Bill O'Brien was out there going nuclear every now and then? I would say the biggest difference, you know, I, I, the, the tempo of practice seemed a little bit different. I mean, Bill O'Brien had his music, but but Coley, the way he interacts with the players, just it, it comes off a little different. When you watch him talk to a, a to a player, it doesn't look as if he's. I don't want to say that Bill O'Brien tried to like demean anybody, but I think. Bill O'Brien has this asshole presence about him that, you know, John, you, you've been in management. You understand, like, you have different people with different personalities that you have to manage and lead in different ways. You can't lead Susie the same way you manage John, the same way you manage Danny, the same way you manage Nick. You have to understand their personalities and, and their approach and how they do things to be able to get the most out of them, right? And Bill O'Brien struggled with that. Bill O'Brien was his way all day and the players just kind of had to get used to it. Right. And that's why I rubbed some of the players wrong. Coley, on the other hand, I think he has an understanding of the personalities and the management aspect of it. And I think he gets that. I could talk to so-and-so this way and I could talk to so-and-so that way. And I know how they want to be talked to. I think that's the big thing about a great leader is understanding how they want to be developed, how they want to be coached, how they want to be taught. That that's you take that step to guide them down the path that they you want to go on and they want to go on, but down the path where you meet them in the middle and do it the right way. And uh, I think that's really the biggest difference for me is just watching Coley interact and the way that he interacted. Not only him, but the other thing was the coaches. Every single coach was was involved in all drills, whether it was personal drills, team drills, it didn't matter. The coaches were there coaching. That for me was probably the number one biggest thing I'll take away compared to the BOB camps. These coaches are heavily involved, and they are doing their part to get this team ready. In years past, at all the Bill O'Brien practices I've been to, it wasn't like that. You know, The coaches were kind of standing there. They were holding their clipboards. They'd make some jokes with players, but they weren't really in there with them. They weren't, they weren't there to, you know, whether, you know, whether it was a left tackle learning how to, you know, call out a, you know, call out a perfect protection and then also know when the spin, you know, just whatever it may be, those things weren't being taught, but now they are being taught. And that is going to go the furthest with this team because that's what we've been screaming for, you know, since Bill (laughs) O'Brien, since we started the show, right? I mean, we started the show two years after Bill O'Brien's tenure. That's the biggest thing that we wanted was for him to understand that these players need to be coached. And that's not how we operated. Uh, So you're telling me that you're telling me that Kelly's not out there micromanaging. He's not micromanaging in any form or fashion. All of those. A head coach can do that. (laughs) Yep. 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 Coley is letting those coaches do everything now behind closed doors. I'm not sure. But I can't see Coley being a guy who rips into him and tells him that they're doing wrong all the time. You know, he seems like a praiser. I think that's genuinely who he is. He's too old to be that way. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. 
and uh, he's learned, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, these coaches do their thing. They have their meetings with with Coley and, and and everybody else, and they they talk about it. But those those coaches are very involved. Pep Hamilton's very involved with Davis Mills and Jeff Driscoll. You know, he was talking to them both a lot yesterday. Tyrod Taylor too. Um, so yeah, I would say that's really the biggest thing is that the coaches are coaching. That's good to hear. I'm, I mean, I'm beyond excited. Like that was one of the things that I actually said was a plus about Cully is having the guy that was the more of the CEO style of coach that Bill O'Brien, I mean, he would, you could see it during training camp, like he was supposed to be the head coach. So he's trying to sit there and float around, but he was also definitely the offensive coach. So even, even if he wasn't technically the coordinator at the time, he was still trying to control the offense. And then he would float over to the defense and there was definitely gaps. So that is actually a great thing to hear about Cully. It's what we kind of expected, but you know, to actually hear it and see it is a lot different than just what you expect. So that's awesome. And Abram, uh, ask us that at the end of the, at the end of the show, we'll get into Cobb's comments for sure. Um, Right now I want to stay focused on training camp. Um, So yeah, those were the biggest things compared to um, Coley and BOB. Um, the other big takeaway, and it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, is that Nico Collins is really like he's really as advertised. This isn't Lestar Gene. This isn't Jalen Strong. This isn't any other wide receiver that we've had in the past that was a flash in the pan at training camp, and then it didn't it didn't turn into something on game day. Nico Collins is a stud. Now, getting the ball to Nico Collins is another conversation in its own, but Nico Collins is exactly what you would what you're everything you're hearing just everything you're hearing no matter what article you're reading no matter what even the media can't the the ones that only talk about Deshaun they can't even ignore Nico Collins they he he is that player he is the number two wide receiver opposite of Brandon Cooks I would pencil it in right now there is nobody that's going to take that spot it's Brandon Nico and neither Kiki or Miller but that's it. I mean, the, those okay. two, the one and two is, is it's solidified. It's not going anywhere. So, I mean, everybody has been saying that Chris Conley is actually having a great camp. He is. He is. He had a great, he had a great catch today. Um, but uh, Nico is just another animal, bro. I mean, this, this guy now, is. Now, with Nico, is this just like all just so much physically better than Conley? I mean, cause he's obviously he's not going to have the polish. Conley's Conley's a, vet i think he's like four or five years in so he's an established vet so he's going to know routes better he's going to be a little bit cleaner of a blocker nico will be a cleaner blocker even oh really just because nico's so big he's so strong right like yeah technique wise maybe he is a better blocker but because of the power that nico has there's no way that he's going to be able to hold it it won't matter the technique won't matter because nico is a fucking presence on the field Okay. That I I can't wait to see him play. I really can't yeah. wait to see him play. I, I mean the little bit today, the a little bit of clips that have been put out there, like he jumps out. And that was kind of my concern watching him at Michigan was he played sometimes he played slow, sometimes he'd get lost, but then again they had crap quarterbacks. Yeah. Granted, we're probably not gonna have cream of the crop quarterbacks, so We'll have a better quarterback than what Michigan had for sure. Um, Cause Michigan hasn't had a quarterback in forever, but um, 
he's just uh he's a man out there and and uh Sarge is right the way he uses his hands Jordan mentioned uh, I think he had a clip earlier today uh the way that he jabs um mm-hmm. Reed so um yeah I mean he's a great route runner too very crisp for his size yeah. I'm not gonna I don't want to say what I'm about to say because it's gonna sound like a hot take but he reminds me of Andre I'm Dude, not I've already seen that. Andre. I've already seen that. The I'm not size, well, not, yeah, just the uh, the way that speed just complete mismatch and can kind of dominate. It's the way he but, too. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I I've got to see him play. I can't yeah. I can't hop on. I can't yeah, say no, you're no, wrong no. or right because I, I I haven't seen him play. For sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, so everything's advertised as Nico. Um. Everything you're hearing is true. This guy's not going away. Um, this was a hell of a draft pick by by Nick Casario. Um, I know everybody's uh, all over Mills right now, but but this Roy Lopez that that dude I, I've never seen thighs as big as Roy Lopez. I mean, those thighs that that dude was rocking was like, oh my god. Um, so yeah, man, uh, Nico is the guy. Um, you know, Davis Mills, after having a bad day on Saturday, uh, you know, I haven't seen this out here yet, and I, I recorded every snap. So him and Davis Mills both – or Deshaun and Davis Mills took individual uh, snaps together. So they had uh, they had two snappers. One was working the left side of – Davis was working the right side of the field. Um, Deshaun was working the left side of the field. And they would take they would take turns, you know, taking snaps. And I have every single every single one recorded. And Deshaun, whether it was because he didn't care or if he was, you know, just being lazy or whatever it may be, but Deshaun looked worse throwing the ball in those individual practices than Davis Mills did. He had at least three over overthrows. Um, Davis didn't have any. He had one broken up by a cornerback. Um, but Davis looked a lot more comfortable throwing the ball than Deshaun did. Now, I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to – you guys can take the clips and make them go viral. And I'm saying Davis Mills is better than Deshaun. That's not what I'm saying. But I just haven't seen any of the media report this or write about it. Um, because in the action that we have seen Deshaun throw, Deshaun has not been good. Um, and I guess that's the, the thing that kind of bothers me is you guys are, you know, all over Davis Mills and what he did as a third-round rookie who played 11 career games as a, as a college quarterback. And then you have a, five, uh, you know, a five-year vet come in, and he can't hit a slant route. Um, so, but Davis Mills, I, you know, I, I like him. I do. Uh, I'm not going to say my, uh, I mean, my crush on him is Tom Savage-esque. If you remember how much I love Savage. (laughs) Um, But Savage didn't have it between the ears. And I don't, I don't know if Davis does or not. Um, Tom's was never a mechanical or, or, or athletic thing. It was always in in, in between the ears. He just didn't have the mental prowess to be able to handle being a quarterback in the NFL. But Davis, he's got, he's, he's got a beautiful touch. Um, he looks comfortable in the pocket. He's athletic enough to make some moves uh, on the run. Um, and he, he can sit the ball in there. Um, I wasn't necessarily – I'm not going to say I was impressed by Davis Mills, but I will say that, you know, I, I know it was easy for everybody to get onto him about a five-interception day on Saturday. And, you know, I think somebody said it was the worst – John Lopez says it was the worst quarterbacking he's ever seen in a Texans jersey at training camp. And all these crazy things that are hyped up now because Sean Watson was there and he's supposed to be our quarterback and all these other things. That's what makes those type of takes take off 
is the fact that the Texans didn't play Deshaun and Davis Mills was getting reps. Um, yeah, but... that was definitely a hot take. We've we've had worse. I I didn't even have to see it. I've seen I mean, some Brock, of the uh, quarterback. Right. Yeah, I've seen some of our quarterbacks practice in the past. We've 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 had much much worse than a we, five we, interception day. We paid seventy two million dollars for Brock Osweiler. And what we yeah. did. I mean, we got three thrumbles, and uh, you know, he created his own adjective for a throw fumble. We now have the thrumble <laughs> in the dictionary because of Brock Osweiler. So uh, Brock was a worse quarterback than, than Davis Mills. Um, so, yeah, but anyways, I, you know, I like Davis. I, you know, I don't know what the expectation should be. I don't think it's fair for us to place the expectations on him. He had his first real practice on, on Saturday. First pads were today. Um, everybody said he, he looked pretty decent today. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, Third round rookie, Saturday taking first team reps against the defense that's flying. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really know what you were supposed to expect. Yeah. Um, well, I guess before we, you know, talk about those other subjects, let's talk a little bit about the defense. Is the deep is the defense really looking that good, or is the offense looking that bad? Uh, both things could be correct, right? Um, you know, offense didn't look great. I, I, I'll be honest. I, I only got to see a couple snaps of 11 on 11, and then the kids were ready to go jump in the bouncy house. So I didn't get to see all of the 11 on 11. Um, what I did see in individual drills and things of that nature, that defense is a lot better. And a lot of it just has to do with the personnel that we have and, and the scheme being combined. Um, you know, we have the right players for Lovey's system whether it be from a secondary perspective to all the way down, you know, from, from safety to corner to linebacker to defensive line, it, it's the first time that we actually have the right personnel to execute and play at a high level. Um, you know, Charles is, Charles is smaller. You know, he should have played defensive end last year for the, for the Texans. Um, he's more of a four, three defensive end. Um, and, uh, so I think I, I I think yes the defense is better. Um, I think they're they have the potential. You know I I think before I left we talked about after like before the draft it was like hey let's if this defense can just go from thirty second to twenty fourth we'd be happy. I yeah. think the way that we went from thirty second to twenty fourth last year we would have been in the plus. Yeah, I think. This I mean, year, granted, it's a different situation, but that's how bad I, they were last year. I think the expectation should be you know. 18 to 20th on defense. Um, you know, I think it'd be a, somewhat of an average defense and it, it all comes down to just the scheme. I, I, you know, all the linebackers that everybody laughed at, like, Oh, it's the 32nd linebacker sign. Yeah. They're just trying to find the right linebackers for this game. They're trying to make sure that they, uh, they I, I think it was uh, wallow uh, covering Aikens one-on-one yesterday and just shut them down. Just in really, and, to shut him down one on one. It was just him and Akins, um, and Akins could. Well, not he was a converted. He was away. a converted safety. So yeah, right. Play, so, but still, that's our yeah. linebacker. Covering yeah, not tight a, end. That's a good thing. Uh, uh, did you pay any? Yeah. Did you see anything of Blacklock? Like rumor or rumors coming out, or I guess whispers coming out, is he's going to have a breakout season? Like he just fits the four three so much better. Well, he does fit the four three so much better based on his size and what he did at TCU, right? Um, yeah. So yes, it makes a lot of sense for him to have a better year, a breakout year. Um, you know, he didn't have much of a year last year. 
So I think anything would be considered a breakout year given <laughs> what he did last year, to be honest. I know, just right? To, just to kind of keep things honest. Um, so when I, when I hear breakout I guess the year, better question is, is he actually going to look like a second-round pick and not yes. an undrafted free agent? I think he'll look like a first-round pick. Um, okay. I think, it, I think it'll be like a latter half, you know, end of the first-round draft pick, which is pretty much what he was projected to be last year anyways. Um, it just happened to fall. I think um, I think he'll be he'll be great. Um, he he looks like he's not thinking as much. He looks like he's just kind of going, um, which is really what you're wanting from him. Um, and he looks comfortable. He looks like he's having fun too, um, which I don't really think you could put you know a price on. I think when you're out there and you're getting paid and you're playing in this hot heat and you're playing something you love, you know the fun aspect needs to be there for you to be able to thrive. And I, I think that's a big thing that Coley's trying to do right now with with the team. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I could see Ross being, um, being much better than what he was last year. And I think, you know, I was talking to Jug, I ended up running into my buddy Jug at, um, at training camp. Um, and you guys can follow him on Twitter at Jug underscore SDE, I believe. Um, but, um, if not, I'll correct it before we leave. But, uh, we were talking about just, I, I didn't see a lot of Malik Collins, I'll be honest. Um. I really wasn't looking for him. I was looking for the guys that we, you know, drafted and kind of looking at them and getting better. Uh, but we were talking about the sacks and, you know, where it's, where's it going to come from? No JJ, right? Um, Grenard looked good. Jonathan Grenard looked a lot better. He looked super comfortable. Uh, his side to side, sideline speed was, was there. Um, Jonathan Grenard had, he had very physical hands. Um, he was an interesting player to watch as well. He's another guy that I'd keep an eye on, but, um, with the D line, it's going to be a team approach sack wise. Where where are the sacks going to come from? It's not going to be one guy. You're not going to have a JJ Watt type season from any of the players. You're going to get some from Charles. You're going to get some from Whitney. You're going to get some from Grenard. You're going to get some from Blacklock. You're going to get some from Collins. Uh, you may be one or two from Roy Lopez, Brandon Dunn. Um, but it's not going to be one individual. It's going to be a total team effort when it comes to the defensive line. But I will say this: what I saw from the defensive line on the team drills again, first team defense versus first team offense. Uh, first three snaps, Tyrod had no time. He had he had, he had no time whatsoever, um, and that was great to see because that's not something we've seen in the past. If JJ doesn't break through, um, pretty much nobody's getting through, and. Um, I'll tell you what, Charles Aminihue, if, if I was to bet on a breakout star this year uh, on the defense, specifically on the D-line, I would I would probably put all my money on Charles Aminihue. Oh, he, wow. looks, he looks a lot faster off the line. He looks more disciplined. He looks like his hands have gotten a little bit more violent, which was one of my biggest knocks on him. Um, and um, he just – he looks like he's also bought in. You know, and, and it, it's interesting because when you think about – Charles, you know, he's represented by Deshaun's agent, uh, David Mugaletta. So you have to wonder, you know, how this all plays a part in, in kind of Charles's head. This is year three. Next year's a contract year for him. Um, but Charles looks like a different player. Okay. Did you see anything out of where they were putting Merciless or Jacob Martin? I mean, this I, popped up in chat. Because those are the two players that I have no idea what they're going to do with. Yeah, I didn't see. Uh, I'll be honest. I, I didn't see much Jacob. I didn't see much. I didn't see any Whitney. Um, I don't think Whitney practiced yesterday. Oh, for um, real? I know he's already he's 
what's the best way to put it? It's not really complaining, but it's complaining. He, he he's saying that he can't see anything with his hand in the dirt. Like he's not comfortable with his hand in the hand in the dirt. And I mean, he does the athleticism anymore to play um, line like a linebacker in this scheme. He has to have his hand in the dirt. So, what do you, do you have any? I guess you didn't see him play, so it's the same yeah, guess that we know. had at the end of the season. I, I don't know. Um, I will say Desmond King. I didn't pay a lot of attention to. Um, I paid more attention to John Reed, uh, and Roby, and, and Crossan. Um, I didn't see a lot of Desmond King yesterday. Uh, Reed looks really good. Um, he's small. I think he'll probably be the fourth or fifth corner. Um, Crossan is – I know he's a fan favorite, and I, I really think he should be. Um, and uh, I think um, – thank you, Anthony. Um Crossan is another player to keep an eye on. Uh, I know he, he closed out 2020 in, in pretty good fashion. He was the corner that most people were talking about, especially with Bradley Roby being gone last year. I think it'll be interesting to see what we see from them week one, considering Bradley Roby will have to finish his last uh, game of his suspension for his PDEs or yeah, PDEs. Um, but uh, yeah, that was uh that was really all I saw from the corners. I didn't see a lot from, from Desmond King. Who was playing outside and who was playing inside with the corners? So that was on 11 and 11s, and I only saw oh, about two or three drills. I got you. Uh, all I got to see was individual drills for, for the corners and stuff. So um, 100%. Definitely wish I could have stayed for that. Uh, but when, you, when you're when you the only person with three kids there dragging <laughs> you, um, I, I was lucky enough to get two hours in that practice without them bothering yeah. me. So. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Desmond King, to me, you know, coming into the season, he's the number one free agent that was signed. Um, he should be an impact guy from week one on. Um, all the tape tells you that Desmond King is a top tier corner. Um, so I, I really didn't have much of a reason in my mind to look at Desmond King as I've seen his tape. I've seen what he's capable of. Um, and I don't see why that would not translate in this defense. Um, not a surefire tackler, but outside of that, like he's, pretty good at coverage, has all the range, uh, has the physicality to play slot. So there's no really no reason for me to doubt anything on Desmond King. So I'm sorry I didn't get to actually tell you, Jerome, exactly what I saw from him. But, um, yeah, Shaq Lawson, also another guy I really wasn't looking for. Um, not because I don't think that Shaq Lawson isn't going to be a player. Um, I just kind of went in, you know, so, to be perfectly honest, there were so many roster moves this offseason that it was really hard for me to kind of keep track of who was who. I, I really could only go with who I knew um, not being as plugged in as I was for the last five, six months. I, I really, I couldn't go into training camp and, and look at the numbers and be like, Oh, boom, boom, boom. Right. Um, so th that's kind of why I don't know a lot about the new guys. I should have kept up, but I, I'll definitely, um, I might be there Saturday. I got to go to uh, Houston to help my cousin move. Um, I got a mover from Houston to Austin for UT. And if I am able to squeeze in practice, I'll definitely be there. Nice. And so you're the man. <laughs> so based on what you did see though, who's somebody that we are not talking enough about? Like who's somebody that really just kind of hopped out that it's like you didn't expect? That I didn't expect or that, that you didn't exceeding expect. expectations? There you go. Either one. Right here. 
Really? Justin Reed is playing the best safety he's ever played. This guy is fit for this Tampa 2 scheme. He's flying around. He's not thinking as much. Uh, He's the leader of the defense, hands down. There's not another player on the defense that is the leader of this defense. Justin Reed is the leader of this defense. You should see the way he's coaching up and communicating with players. Justin Reed has a huge chip on his shoulder. I'm not sure if it's because of the way that the season went last year and and, and also correlating with how his season went because he'll even tell you he didn't have a good 2020. Um, But he he looks like a guy that's ready to break out, break out. Like a a safety that will be talked about nationally for quite some time, uh, maybe to the point to where he he kind of gets himself out of, of Houston in the sense that we won't be able to afford to keep him because this guy is playing with a purpose. Um, and from what I've seen from him, it's, uh, it's very exciting. It's what you would want to see from Justin Reed based on what we saw from him his rookie year. Um, you know, okay. last year, Last year it was, you know, we're going to line you up at slot in week one against the Chiefs. We're going to we're going to throw you around. We're going to do this and that. We're going to make the game overly complicated for you. Um, this year it's we're going to make this extremely simple for you, and you're going to thrive in this system. And it looks like that's exactly what's happening. All right. Um, and let's see. Somebody else talked about it. Uh, Lonnie Johnson, did, did you see anything out of him? I know that they were just working back in. So Yeah, he, he didn't practice yesterday. Um, I mean, you guys know how I feel about Lonnie. Um, I mean, he's probably one of the main players I do talk to on this team. Um, so, no, I, I can't say anything about Lonnie and what I saw, but I will tell you, and it's something that I've echoed since we started this thing and Lonnie was drafted, Lonnie is going to play better at safety just because of how he plays when the ball is in front of him. It's a very similar situation to the way that things were done with, with Kareem Jackson. I know a lot of people were really upset that he worked so hard at corner and was played at safety last year. Um, you know, it's something that should have maybe been done as rookie year. I think they were so down on that. They, they were down on corners 2019 and 2020. Um, I don't think they could really commit to him being, you know, a safety in 2019 when he was drafted. Um, but big, lengthy, athletic guy, very long, long, long arms, um, very physical. And he just, he's, he's a tackling machine. Um, and I, I expect big things from Lonnie. I, I'll tell you, um, it'll likely be Reed and Lonnie, but watch out for AJ Moore because this scheme also fits AJ Moore's skill set too. And I, he was another guy that was flying around yesterday. Yeah, I mean, no disrespect to AJ Moore. Like last year, he was probably our best at covering running backs out of the backfield. Yeah. The problem he has is he can't cover tight ends. Right. He's too tiny. Yeah. So yeah. I know you. I know you love him, but I, I mean, do. That, that's. I don't know how he's magically going to start being able to cover tight ends now. If we need to shut down, like he's the missing piece that if we had four years ago when we needed to shut down a receiving back, like why couldn't he have been around then? But for it as a full-time, I don't know. Maybe. I could be wrong. Like, sometimes people will take a step up in their game, but that was the, his big weakness. You just made sure that you got a tight end matched up on him and you could pick on him all day. But we'll yeah. see. Uh, um, uh, and then uh, running backs. Yeah or no? Sure. I mean, okay. what did you see? So this kind of goes in line with biggest surprise at camp. Um, this run game is going to be – 
something worth watching. Now the offensive line, um, I don't, I don't know enough. I can't say that they're on their way to being that much better. I mean, there's no reason for us to think that they're going to be worse. They're getting coached up in a, in a way that they haven't in the past. Um, you pretty much have three or four spots already kind of solidified in the sense of Tunsil, potentially, you know, um, Max Sharping or Titus, Justin Britt, not sure about the right guard. And then you got Cannon at the right tackle when he gets back. Um, so, I mean, there's no reason to think that we won't get better. I, I like Titus in at guard. If he could play opposite of um, Max, uh, I think Titus is very physical. I think his skill set is more geared towards playing guard as much as people don't want to hear it because he was drafted as a tackle. Uh, but priorities have changed. We have another tackle that they are comfortable starting. Um, but I think for the run game, it's going to make the biggest difference having Titus there um, next to Britt and next to Cannon as he, he's physical enough to be able to clear the holes um, and get to that next level when need to. So um, I think that'll probably be the best part. Um, but the run game with Ingram, Lindsay, and David, uh, you really probably couldn't ask for a better threesome. And I know a lot of people are like, well, you know, Mark's old, David's old, Lindsay's young. That's kind of why it works is because in spurts, Ingram's going to be able to give you enough. And in spurts, David's going to be able to give you enough. But to spell that, you have Philip Lindsay there as well, right? And Ingram, Ingram is running hard. I mean, he's just running super hard. Every run I saw, he was running extremely hard. Um, and... I don't know. I, I like I like I like the running back room. I do. I think I think it's a okay. very interesting running back room. I was trying to find who actually said this, but somebody pointed out that, of course, because it was Duke Johnson and David Johnson last year, they didn't realize how much David Johnson looks more like a receiver compared to a typical NFL running back. Now that we have actual NFL running backs on our roster, and you compare him to David Johnson, all of a sudden David Johnson really looks like a receiver. Would you agree with that? Like, is that how, what you saw or uh i mean david ran pretty well i mean from a from a size perspective and build he definitely looks like a wide receiver he doesn't look like a running back i mean he's a very tall running back i think he's six yeah. right he's six like six and a half um so definitely a lot ha- taller than you'd expect your running backs to be um wasn't at one point he was our tallest if you think took, last year. uh receiver like he was a receiver he would have been our tallest receiver last year uh, yeah wasn't that last year yeah, um, or at least active. I think uh, Colt. I think Colt Coulter was taller than him, but I think the only person that was taller than him that was active were the tight ends. Yeah. Um, okay. but yeah, I mean, David looks good. I know a lot of people, and I know Rivers keeps banging the drum of like people talking up David Johnson's last three games last year and the mental health and things of that nature, but um. To me, you know, those I, I thought he had a really good last three games of the season. And I think that uh, I think that it's something for him to build on. Uh, and, and, you know, he played on a team that was on a downward spiral, had so many different things going on from firing the, you know, general manager to um, or no, not firing the general manager, sorry, firing the head coach to rack and everything else that was going on. Um Oh, look, Storm says he's doing it. So I, I like David. I, I like David. I like Ingram. I, I like Lindsey. 
Um, I'm super excited about it. I, I, I think that they could. It's all about that offensive line, though, first. I, I didn't see much of Sharping. The one I did see, though, he looked a lot better than what he looked like last year. Um, so, yeah. Okay. And, I mean, I think if they have broken the mindset and used David Johnson as a big back, I think he'll be more successful. Because remember Power last back. year with that. Well, yeah, that was last year what they said. Or uh, I might have even been Bill O'Brien himself that said it before he was let go. Is no, it was Rack. Rack said it that they've got to. Sometimes you just got to feed David Johnson up the middle because he's the bigger back, and that's why they weren't even giving Duke John more touches because they needed the bigger back in there. But I think that's what and I think it. For. Yeah, and that that's exactly my point. If David Johnson's not used as a bigger back, if he can, he's a better receiving back than he is a big back. He's also a better one-cut runner. Yeah. So hopefully that means he'll be more productive because, I mean, there was there was a stretch last year where it, it was bad. Yeah. And, I mean, he's a great guy, obviously. We're rooting for him. Obviously, we want the Texans to do well. And if David Johnson's out there and has a solid, solid season, that means the Texans are actually going to probably be doing pretty well. So naturally, we're yeah. rooting for him. That's just my concerns. And I think that they have addressed it because they're not going to ask him to do the bigger back type role. And Philip Lindsay is actually a really good power back. He's a little bit smaller for a power back, but he's actually a really good power back. So it's probably a better mix. Yeah. Uh, Jerome, Anthony Miller looks good. Anthony Miller reminds me, his whole situation in Chicago with Mitch at quarterback, um, I think it's going to be an interesting battle to see you know who kind of wins that slot position between him and Kiki. Um, they're very similar players. Um, I, I think you kind of win either way, but, uh, but he did look good in what I saw yesterday. What about uh big Sarge's guy, Alex Erickson? He seems pretty convinced that he's going to challenge. He's going to challenge for the slot that yeah. he said, he don't be surprised if he's the fourth receiver. And Sarge would know better than most because Sarge has been at every training camp. Um, and, yeah. and, and pl- applaud Sarge because he, he usually finds a guy and sticks with him, and he sticks with him through all of training camp, and it looks like he's identified this guy as that guy for him this year. So if Sarge is telling you to pay attention, I'd start to pay attention. Um, I didn't see a lot of him for me to say um, that he is, you know, the guy, um, but I'll, I'll, I'll take Sarge's evaluation for sure. Uh, tight ends, uh, you know, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Uh, all I watched was 88. I, I really didn't – I didn't watch Brevin Jordan – I, I saw Kahale's massive self out there. I also watched him drop like two significant passes. Um, the water polo player probably should have just went to the Olympics and played water polo. I don't even know if water polo is an Olympic sport. Um, but Kahale, he's huge. I mean, in person, he's huge. He's huge. Um, but Jordan is just the better tight end. Uh, and then Farrell Brown didn't practice yesterday. He didn't practice till today, so I didn't really get to see Farrell Brown. I love Farrell Brown. I think I think that it should be the Agins Brown, um, Brevin Jordan show. But um, I think you might have seen the final. This might have been the last straw for for Kahale. You think so? I I don't see how he makes the team. I mean, he's got inconsistent It'll... hands. He's not a great route yeah. runner. He's not a good blocker. Uh, Agins is a better blocker than Kahale, and Kahale has him by like 40, 50 pounds. Um, no kidding, because that was supposed to be Kahali Warren's uh, calling card coming out of college. Like he was the most, I mean, yeah, pro-ready he, blocking tight end that had the upside as a receiver, but he was going to be able to make his money as a blocker. So I always thought that it was going to be between him and Farrow, 
um, which one showed the most as a blocker, a little extra. But you got to so, keep in mind okay. when people say when people say that uh, you know pre-draft, right? Yeah, I, I feel like people don't take into account the school that the talent goes to, right? When well, it was a right wearing... school at, at San Diego State, San Diego so he was State. blocking so a lot. Of... I mean, he was blocking a lot. Blocking now, a lot granted, the, the, the competition, competition he was blocking exactly. Right. When you're blocking littler white guys than you, you you know you should be able to do that. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I, I'm not sold on Kahale. Um, I know a lot of people really want him to work and are, are stuck on the last regime. Uh, it'd be ideal for him to work. I'd like to see it happen, but um, Aikens is number one, hands down. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't care who Taylor, it is. I just want an I just want an inline blocking tight end, like somebody that can actually block. Farrell Brown showed the most last year as a blocker, but it wasn't it wasn't great. It was just better than everything else we had. And don't get me wrong, like I'm excited about Brevin Jordan. Like I think that he'll be an excellent receiving tight end. But he's he's a younger Jordan Akins. Like they're very similar type players. Like he's not going to come in. He's not going to be the blocking the blocking tight end. He's not going to be somebody that can stay on the field the entire game because of his ability to block. Um, he's going to be in there when they need a receiving tight end. So I'm just looking for anybody, whether or not they have to sign him, whether or not it's the uh, the other guy that they signed. Why well, can't I think of his name? Um, that comes in and just shows some consistency at that position. Yeah. Um... Oh, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Uh, oh, oh this is what I was, no, no, no. You're fine. You're fine. Uh, I, I would, I would. This is what I would say about Jordan Akins. Tyrod Taylor is a. He, he loves to dump it. He loves yeah. to throw it short. If you guys are looking for a sleeper tight end in fantasy, I think Akins is a pretty significant sleeper at tight end, and it, it's not just about his talent. It's not because I'm in love with him. It's just because of the quarterback that he'll likely be playing with. Um, if you just look at Tyrod's history with tight ends in the past, um, they all put up pretty decent numbers. Um, and with Jordan Akins, you have the yak ability that most tight ends don't have. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I hope so. I, I've, I've been right there with you. Jordan Akins has, I think, two years in a row led the Texans in the yards after catch. And just criminally under underused. I don't really know why, because he also was one of the top Texans receivers in separation. I think he was one of the top in the NFL at separation. So he gets yak, he gets separation. You would think eventually he'd start, you know, racking or accruing yards in some form or fashion. If he's not, it's made, they're just not targeting him. So Tyrod, I mean, we all know Tyrod's problem. He's not going to push the ball down the field. He just doesn't. And I I don't know if that's an arm strength right now. I, I honestly don't know. I, I have not paid enough attention to Tyrod. I, I can't wait to watch a little bit of the preseason because I want to know whether it's arm strength versus mentality. Based on what you saw at practice and even if you've done any scouting beforehand with Tyrod, what do you think it is? It, is it his arm or is it mental? Um, I think it's the inability to be able to throw deep. I don't, and I don't know if it's the arm strength, more of I guess technique, maybe, uh, or okay. maybe maybe it is mental. Like the three deep passes I saw him throw yesterday um, were off pretty pretty heavy. Um, so you know I, I think it's, maybe it's a combination of the two. But I Tyrod doesn't look to be a very ap- accurate deep passer. Um, 
So yeah, maybe maybe it's also just the fact that where everywhere he's played, it, it's kind of had to be that way, you know, um, based on the offensive scheme that he was running. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just I don't think he has the deep ball. Um, so as of right now, yeah, I I would say 100% Tyrod's your starter. Um, but I think it could change. I, I right. honestly, I'd like to see Davis get some shots. Just to say that Mills has no deep ball. I actually, I mean, the more that I've more that I've thought about it, what you said at the beginning is Tyrod will probably play, or beginning of the off season is Tyrod will probably play as long as the Texans, for some reason, continue to fool themselves that they're competitive, and they may end up being competitive. Who knows? Um, you never really know in the NFL. But as soon as they fall out of any sort of chance for anything, then Davis Mills needs to take over. Whether or not that's game one or game six or game seven or whatever, Davis Mills, they need to see what they have in him. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're at near the end. I told one of the stipulations of me coming back was I told my wife I, it would be an hour every Tuesday as she's gotten spoiled with me being with her every week now and every night. <laughs> But I run a little over the first day. It is what it is. Um, I guess we got to talk about Deshaun. Um, so yeah, before we do, do we... that, before we get to Deshaun, I need everybody to go on to Twitter right now. We'll take a little break. Go on to Twitter and type in in the search Twitter. Type in at Big Sarge S A R G E Sports S P O R T Z and click follow. This guy's killing training camp right now. Um, he is he's covering it in a way that um, that I haven't seen him doing in a while, um, and he, he's doing an amazing job. So uh, make sure you guys go follow him. He's definitely he's my friend, my brother. Um, I have a great relationship with Sarge. So any 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 love that you guys could show to Sarge would be much appreciated. And this isn't because he yeah. got the pair of dunks. It's, it's been that way for a while. He's put me on the radio. He's called me and had me on the radio. Um, he's, you know, he, he always supports me and does everything I can. He can to help me. So make sure you guys go to Twitter uh, and, and follow him, please. And I mean, I'm just going to throw it out there, regardless of James and Sarge's relationship, there's none that's covering training camp the way Sarge is. There hasn't been in a while. We, we, we need somebody like him. Show him appreciation. He, he has 2,400 followers. Like that's an absolute joke. Y'all go follow him. Best follow. Definitely the best follow that you're not following. Yeah. Him, him. Here's who you guys should be following. You guys should be following him. And then you guys should be following my other guy, Brandon Kyle Scott. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon K Scott. Uh, He's killing it at camp too. He's also just an amazing dude. Somebody definitely worth following. Um, he, he's awesome. So follow Brandon Scott on Twitter. Um, all right, let's get to Deshaun. Let's get to Deshaun. I, th- I think that's what people really want to hear. They want to hear our thoughts. You guys save your save your uh, news breaky questions for for Pat on Friday. Um, as I'm not gonna, I don't have anything to give you guys. That's all Pat's doing. If he wants to give you guys tidbits, he can. Um, but let's talk about what – I guess at the end of the day, I don't really care that he wasn't there today. It's not a big deal to me. I mean, if he's not participating in camp, like him not being there really isn't that big of a deal anyways. If he's just doing walkthroughs and individual drills and he's not leading the team, it, it really isn't the story that it should be. 
Uh, him being there or him not being there, the outcome is still the same. He wasn't going to get first-team reps. He wasn't going to lead the offense. So at the end of the day, I really don't care if he was in the in NRG on the milking table or if he was at NRG getting his ankle looked at, whatever it may be. Um, he's not on the team. I mean, he's on the roster, but he's not actively on the team. I don't really care the difference. Um, but I guess, John, we need to get into the speculation of where do we think it goes and what do we think the outcome is when it comes to Deshaun Watson? And I've done a lot I of mean, talking, so I'll let you take this for a little bit. I mean, I, m- nothing that has happened the past couple of days has changed my opinion. I still think that if Deshaun ends up playing football this year, it's going to be with the Texans. I don't think that Casario is going to be low, blo- low balled, but I don't think the Texans want him to play. Like, I don't think, even if Rivers McCown put it out on Twitter, could you see the Texans making Deshaun inactive on game day? And that's actually a great question. Like, could we actually see that? Um, I'm actually leaning in that direction. I think the Texans as a franchise have moved on. I think that my original statement way back when, back in when all accusations came out, that Deshaun would not have been traded Caserio would not have blinked, wouldn't have answered any of it, because Deshaun didn't have any leverage until these accusations happened. These accusations and the fact that they keep lining up story after story after story, they don't want him on the team. Like This opened the door for him to be traded. However, at the same time, they do realize that they are a business and they're not going to be lowballed. So I think you know, Deshaun's just going to be like a specter. Like maybe, maybe they crack and let him play, but I don't think he's going to get. And I don't think they want him, but I don't think they want to play. So I called it four, three, four weeks ago when I said that he'd be at training camp. Everybody thought I was crazy. They all thought he was going to hold out. He can't afford to hold out. He's got litigation, civil suits, lost endorsements, fifty thousand I mean, dollars a day. It's too much. He can't. Yeah, all of us to lose it. He's been dropping his endorsements. Yeah, I mean, so, so logically, I knew he would be there. I just did the simple math of two plus two. It still equals four, no matter what. And that is the most logical thing for him to do. So I knew he'd be at camp. I also told everybody that he was going to have to earn his spot back, and people laughed me out of the room. Everybody thought that as soon as Deshaun showed up, that. He was going to be handed the keys to the Maserati. Well, not Maserati. I don't know if anybody watches TikTok, but uh, if you've seen my, if you've seen Maserati guy, definitely not Maserati. Um, let's say uh, Ferrari. They weren't going to give the keys to the, to the Ferrari to Deshaun. He had to come back and earn it. And when we saw him show up to camp, guess what? Keys weren't handed to him. He was a part of walkthroughs. He did some individual drills. Um, and honestly. To answer Rivers' question, I don't think Deshaun Watson is a quarterback week one. Even on this roster. even be He won't be active on game day. That's honestly what I think. I think Nick has had enough, but I think it goes a lot bigger than Nick. I think at this point, Miss Janice has inserted herself. I think Cal's wife is a part of it. And when you have two women who are employing a potential sexual deviant 
um, or sexual predator or whatever name goes along with what's been going on with him or what he's going through. Um, I don't think that he's going to take another snap for the Houston Texans. I don't. I don't I don't think that you'll see much from him in camp. Uh, I don't think you'll see him week one. You might see him preseason just for them to play, just to be a dick. Um, and I'm sure he'll stay. He's hurt. I mean, the Jalen Ramsey stuff starting already with him getting his, his ankle worked on and all the other things. Um, you know, he's building up being hurt. So that way he doesn't get fined and can also mispractice. You know, I don't think he likes that he had to, um, earn back his snaps or earn back his right to be the starting quarterback. I think that rubbed him the wrong way because that's, he hasn't had to earn anything since, since, you know, week, week one of 2017, everything he's, he's gotten. So, um, but he, he did a lot of bad damage over the last six months. Um, whether it be the trade requests, whether it be the sexual allegations, whether it be anything else that's gone on, all the leaks from his camp to the local media who bought into all the bullshit that they were sending and letting them spread all the lies and everything else, the smear campaign against Easterby, the smear campaign against the organization, everything that this organization has been through all ties up to one person, and that's Deshaun Watson. And if you look now, nobody's able to report where Deshaun is. All, the media was fed lies and stories and all these things over the last six months because they're tools. They all wanted the inside source. And instead of the being the inside source, all they got was just fuel to add to the fire to shit on the organization. And I, I can't see this organization just wiping the egg off their face and saying, okay, now you're the starter week one. I just can't see it. Sometimes it's it's bigger than than business. It's bigger than football. And in this very moment right now, everything that is surrounding Deshaun Watson is 10 times bigger than the Houston Texans. And it's not something that can be rectified. I, I can't see it. I think that they just eat it this year. I think they eat his salary. I think they eat the bonuses. And I think they look to deal him next year. And we're going to have the entire year without Deshaun Watson at quarterback. And, you know, I know for a lot of you, you guys have been dying for this moment to have the franchise quarterback. We all have. Everybody's wanted to have this guy. It's been everything that you've dreamt your team of having. Not just having a franchise quarterback, but having a franchise quarterback who is athletically gifted as Deshaun Watson. Okay? And that guy was also the perfect image that you could possibly have prior to this off season. So a lot of you are in denial. A lot of you are hurt. A lot of you can't believe the fact that this situation has gone to the level it's gone to, but just understand that the only person you have to blame for this entire situation is the guy that you hold so high. And that's the Sean Watson. It's nothing. It's nobody else. It's not the Texans. The Texans didn't go get massages by 67 different women and have 22 different files uh, filings happening. That's not the way it happens. This happened because Deshaun thought he would be able to get rid of it. Deshaun thought he was a superstar and get, get away with the certain things that he wanted to get away with. 
guilty, not guilty. At the end of the day, he still put himself in those situations to where these types of things can happen. That's on Deshaun. Everything that is happening right now is on Deshaun Watson and nobody else. And so I know it's easier to take a shit on the Texans. It's easier for you guys to go on the on the comment boards and write how shitty of and listen on the you know it it cracks me up. There'll be ten thousand people watching the press conference on Twitter or Facebook, and all those motherfuckers will still type trash organization, not going to support you. But you took twenty minutes out of your work day to watch a fucking press conference on Facebook. So stop lying to yourself. It has nothing to do with any of that. You're hurt. You're emotionally tied to this team. But the person you need to be mad at is Deshaun Watson, not anybody else. Get the Jack Easterby stuff out of here. Does he have a part? Sure, maybe. Maybe maybe he maybe he got us Nick Casario. Was he wrong? Was he wrong to get us Nick Casario? At this point, based on what we've seen so far, can you tell me that he was wrong to get Nick Casario? Looks like Nick's leading the charge in the way that I, I that's the way I would go about it. He's doing everything the right way. Um, so yeah, I mean, it sucks. It's a reality that everybody's going to have to face. You can either choose to face it now, or you can choose to face it week one, week 17, week 18, and into the off season when it's traded. Either way, you're going to be disappointed. So face the disappointment now because it's over. Deshaun yeah. Watson, I mean, the- your starting quarterback. The Texans have obviously moved on. Like, they pretty much aren't going to play that game. And the only way that I could ever see Deshaun playing another snap for the Texans is if Deshaun sits there, swallows his pride, and admits it, that he's the one that messed up. That admits that maybe all this stuff with Easterby and everything, it all circles back to them trying to keep Deshaun out of trouble. And, you know... That's still on Deshaun for putting himself in that situation. Like that's dude just let it all go to his head. Like there's no other way to put it. And it's sad because not just as an athlete, but Deshaun was made for Houston. Like he was the perfect quarterback for the city, for the franchise, for everything. Like he was the perfect quarterback. He was a guy, top five, top two, top quarter potential, just his the attitude and everything that he put out there before all this thing came out, like he was made for Houston. Like he's not going to find another city anywhere. That's going to embrace him the way that, that Houston did. Like people from Clemson even talked about that. Now that's gone. Like, even though there's going to be a good portion of the fan base that wants him back, which I mean, it's understandable winning games to them is all that is all that's important. And I get that. Like, don't get me wrong. But that's what we've also fussed about with this franchise. And I actually think they're on the right here. The winning is not the most important thing. If Deshaun wants to play football again this year, he's going to have to swallow his pride. After the year, he may not have a chance to play football for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, You know, look, I say all of that to say that the one person who can correct this is the same person you guys should be mad at. And that's Deshaun Watson as well. You know, Deshaun Watson doesn't care about you. Deshaun Watson could care less about the fans. Because if he cared about the fans, he would have never asked for the trade. Rumors are that he wanted to ask for the trade before he even signed the extension. I don't necessarily buy into it. I think when Bill O'Brien was fired is when it all went downhill for him. I think you got rid of somebody he idolized in a sense of uh, somewhat of a father figure role. 
that kind of kept him in line, kept him in track, gave him the good news, gave him the bad news, was the shoulder he needed when he needed it. And when that went away, Deshaun had nobody else. And nobody in that camp over there is doing Deshaun any justice right now. He's surrounded by people who really don't have his best interest at heart. Because if they did, David would have the tough conversation with Deshaun and say, look, it's time for you to apologize. It's time for you to step up to the microphone. It's time for you to address the fans. It's time for you to address the media. You don't have to get into the specifics. We understand that we're in litigation. There are certain things that you can and cannot say. But you're going to have to take this in the chin if you want to have a chance at going back to the career you had. Because as this continues, and not only that, think about it like this, John. If all these masseuses and massage therapists and everything else that are, are coming out of the woodworks now, you think it goes away? You, th- you think that three years from now, there's not other a- allegations being made? This is going to be happening through the rest of his career. The things are People are going to pop up now. He is a target for that now. Not necessarily a target in the sense of he did nothing wrong, but a target in the sense that more people will feel comfortable coming out. Things are going to go back to Clemson. Things are going to go back to, you know, between being drafted and being at Clemson. I mean, he's surrounded by yes men. Jesus is 100% right. He's surrounded by people that see him as a money sign. He is what you, what they, that's why they have the financial literacy program and things like that for rookies is to make sure you have a strong foundation around you to ensure that you put yourself in the best position to succeed off of the field. But David, Quincy, Brian, all of them, they only look at him as a transaction. They don't look at him as an individual. They see that he brings them money. Those people act, people of that power, that prowess, they look at him and just want the financial aspect of Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun is about to, if he wants to do it right, he'll fire his agents. He'll get new representation. He'll come out and apologize and admit for whatever he may have done wrong. He did something wrong. Even if it goes as far as putting himself in the position to reach out to Instagram masseuses. Okay, let's not forget that. Okay, he he made that decision to do that. Okay, he put himself in a position where these types of things can come back. Like, he needs to, he's going to have to face the music. And he's not willing to do that. And, and, and Jerome's right. Like, this part right, like, if, if you wanted to have it, you would come in, you wouldn't have a hoodie on. You'd come into camp, you'd show your face, you'd work with your teammates, you'd do 11-on-11 drills, you'd go to Coach Coley and say, you know what, Coach, look, I messed up. I don't know what I was thinking with the trade request. I don't know what I had in my mind, but this is where I want to be at least for the 2021 season. So let's get past the 2021 and worry about the future after that. I've made a ton of mistakes. I haven't been the most professional athlete. I haven't set the right example for all the people that follow this organization and are fans of this team, but I need to correct that, and I will going forward. But I need to know what I can do to earn my job back, and I'm willing to put in the work to do so. That's it. But he's not going to do that because he doesn't have the right people around him. I mean, he can take a look at how Aaron Rodgers ended up handling it. I mean. Yeah, bro. Aaron Aaron handled it perfectly. Every concession he wanted, and he'll get it at the end of the season. Deshaun could have done the exact same thing. He was so transparent. 
He was so transparent. Yep. I don't know if I've ever heard an athlete be as transparent as Aaron Rodgers was during that press conference. I mean, that's something that I, I go to sleep dreaming about because that's that's what makes this part of the game so fun is that you're able to relate to these athletes in a way that, you know, when you have those types of conversations with Aaron Rodgers and you're hearing what he's thinking and, and what went into the to, uh, the decisions and, and the reason why it led to this path and all those types of things, you know, that's that's why Green Bay loves Aaron. As, it's not just because he's a great quarterback. It's because he is transparent, man. And it's just like music. You know, if you can relate to the artist emotionally because he's able to appeal your, to your emotions, whether it be a concert or a song, that's what gets you hooked. And Deshaun's just not – he's not going to be able to do it. He's had everything handed to him his entire life from college on. Maybe before that, I understand he had his, his situations and things of that nature. But now – he can't do it and he won't do it unfortunately i think you're right man all right, right. Uh, randall cobb we're randall, out of cobb. Time. randall cobb, oh, randall cobb. you want to hit up randall cobb i mean yeah, randall he, he didn't really i mean he maybe no, used the wrong words but he didn't say anything wrong i mean he's right the texans are resetting it is a startup they're doing a hard reset the packers were just at the nfc championship game they're at the top they needed to get – they're the big business that has everything figured out and just needs to get another year out of it. The Texans are in the reset. So, yeah, he's absolutely right. He's going from a chance to be competing from the first-round pick to a chance to compete for the Super Bowl. does not matter what he thinks about anything else. Like, that's all it is. And then he even said positive things about what Cario and Cully are doing. Like, he didn't trash them. He just pretty much said – he said nothing wrong. He said the Texans are on a reset. Yeah, I, I, I think, um, you know, they stopped the quote, you know, Bleacher Report, fan-sided. You know, they did their cool picture of Randall Cobb at the press conference podium and took the quote and, and put it underneath him, but didn't put the full quote. You know, they didn't say the last part where he said that with Nick and Coley, he, he thinks that they're building the right thing. They're doing it the right way. They're going about it in the proper manner, um, and it's time for a reset. They left that part out, as they usually do. Um, I don't think Randall Cobb was wrong for anything that he said. I think what he said was 100% correct. It was accurate. This team is in a reset. They are in a rebuild to an extent, right? And the only reason we're in a rebuild is because we don't have the franchise quarterback that we drafted five years ago. That's all there is to it. So you guys want to be mad at why we're in a rebuild? Well, go hit up Deshaun's Instagram DMs. Tag him on Twitter. Let him know. You're the reason why we're in a rebuild. It has nothing to do with anything no. else. Fire your fucking team and fucking swallow your pride and let's get back to work. If not, you know, good luck wherever you get traded because you're not going anywhere unless we get the fucking capital that we deserve. That's all there is And to just a comment, his teammates saying that he looks like a man out of jail. Of course he does. He's a competitor. He's going to a team that has a chance to win. Of course he looks like he just got out of jail. I'd be happy too. Yeah, it doesn't and, matter if you could have loved over there, but it's it's gonna be tough this year for a lot of the Texans players. It's there's part there's a reason why we're not gonna have a lot of established veterans because rebuilds are tough on them. They are like if you're somebody like Cobb who's done pretty much everything that he's gonna do in the NFL. He's a consistent player at this point, but he's not going for the Hall of Fame or anything like that. He's going to win, make money, yeah. and win. 
Yep. And he gets to do both of those things now in Green Bay. With He's over the quarterback. Man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let's get to this real quick because I think this is a really good question. Uh, will the Texans take two first-round picks? I bet they're getting sick of all the drama. Uh, I don't think they're actually – the drama is not affecting this team in any way, any form or fashion. This team is, has moved on. Practice has moved on. The players have moved on. Uh, this is not impacting training camp. This is not impacting practices. This is not impacting the players. They built a competitive environment um, with good veteran leadership throughout the locker room, um, and they're not bothered by this. Nick is not going to settle. His price is his price, and we have all of the leverage to hold on until we get that price that Nick is asking for. And for us to get that price that Nick is asking for, he's going to have to make it through litigation and either settle or settle these suits. That's all there's to it. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if a settlement comes within the, before week one. I really wouldn't. I think that's the only way that he's going to have a chance of being able to go do anything else football-related this season. He's going to have to have a settlement. And I know there's rumors and, and people are saying that there's no settlement coming. That's fine. But eventually there's going to be talks of a settlement because there's no other way for him to continue to move on. He's going to have to live in this stage of his life until he goes to court. And that's going to be a long process. So Nick, he's not going anywhere until Nick gets whatever his price is. People have reported five first-round picks or three first-round picks and two starters, whatever it may be. Whatever the price is, they're not getting it. They're not getting him until they get the value that they have in their mind for Deshaun. And that's all there is to it. Yeah. And, I mean, Deshaun can't do anything else. No. And at this point, I think the bad blood is high enough between between the two yep and i don't ever i don't and maybe bad blood's the word the wrong word to use because i don't think that casario actus likes deshaun in any manner i think that it's just those it's like hey this is my career this is casario's career like he's not going to throw it away just to make deshaun happy he has no reason to the team's moved on and you know the team, the team's just moved on, and they can do whatever they want. Or with Watson, he's under contract; they're paying him. They're going to wait till they get full value for him, or whatever that it may be. Yeah. And I, teams trying to trade for him right now, I'm sure are lowballing because they think that they're just essentially trading for one year. But even if you trade for one year of Deshaun, that's at minimum still three first rounds. One year of Deshaun, like you look at the crazy trade. You we traded a third rounder for Demarius Thomas, like. NFL trade value, like three first rounds, two second rounds, and two defensive players, what the Texans are looking for, two players that are able to start. That's still a good deal for whatever team gets to Sean if he never gets suspended. Yep, 100%. I agree. All right. Well, this was a great comeback. Great show. Thank you guys for all the engagement. Thank you guys for all the the donations. Appreciate you guys. Make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe button for everything Texans Unfiltered. Turn the alerts on. Make sure you guys know when we go live. You never know. I'm back in the swing of things. I could pop up on a Wednesday and go live. I used to do it. I could do it again. Might just have a player or two swing through. Either way, make sure you guys hit the subscribe button on our YouTube. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at I at Young Ari underscore gold and make sure you follow John Wade. John, what's your Twitter handle? I'm so bad at knowing Twitter uh, handles. <laughs> John A. Wade three. John A. Wade three. 
Um, and then make sure you guys go follow the Patrick Storm and JRLTU uh, Jair, uh, so you guys can get updates on their show uh, coming according to Pat uh, this Friday. So make sure you guys go blow his timeline up if you guys do not see a show on Friday as um, they're putting that together this week. Uh, amazing to be back. Also, I want to make sure I end the show thanking everybody who uh, filled in for me, uh, helped keep John afloat while he was m- managing the madness of, of me being missing um, and just doing everything that you guys did. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you to everybody who sent the well wishes. Um, and I'm so happy to be back. So glad to be able to see you guys and interact with you guys. We're here to give you guys the best Texans news that you guys can get, the best Texans talk that you can have. Uh, and when we do it every week and we'll continue to do so. Um, so with that being said, John, anything else? I believe we hit it all. Well, I, no, 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 we can, we can save this for another conversation. I was going to ask you, what do you think about the Buffalo Bills possibly moving to Austin, but we can save that for another day. Mm. We're I, I would already buy way tickets. over. I, would buy I know tickets. I would too. I would buy season <laughs> but, tickets. But we're getting played. It's not happening. We're just no, it's not. We're just leverage, but it's fine. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's it. That's it, dude. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. And with that being said, for Texans Unfiltered, I'm Young Ari Gold signing off. We'll catch you guys next week.